Hello and welcome to the Damn Fine Life podcast with Rinku Madan. I'm Gaurav Kapoor and I am here to introduce this show which is a unique and exclusive take on luxury hospitality from across the globe. Now I am fascinated by luxury hospitality just as much as you are, which is why I'm super excited about this show because it's not just about the business of hospitality, but it's also about stories, journeys, histories, insights, a peek behind the curtain, if you may. from the world of luxury hospitality so let's dive straight in in partnership with the leela hotels and resorts and soneva resorts and residences brought to you by the house of marquesi di barolo wines dan hotels israel shale hotels limited hotel kempinski indonesia and fratelli wine powered by our seasoned partners jet hq the world's most trusted global aircraft sales with deep industry knowledge real time data market analysis by dedicated professionals Jet HQ's experience and international expertise allow them to serve you 24/7 across the globe in almost every time zone. The Postcard Hotels, a collection of intimate luxury hotels hidden in holiday destinations across India and the world. The Postcard Hotels combine luxury with simplicity, helping you retreat to a life that is luxurious, simple, unhurried and filled with rich little discoveries. And Easy Diner, the one-stop platform for the most enjoyable authentic and friction-free table booking experience instant confirmations and amazing deals on food and beverage in over 150 cities in india and now in dubai too talk a lot about why or which wine we should be drinking which wine is the best which one we should drink with what dish etc etc and we obviously know that a barolo is right up there amongst the top of the list for everyone in each one of us who knows about luxury and good wines and my guest today is not only related to this top wine that i just spoke about but she actually owns it the very gorgeous a world traveler and obviously a lover of good wines valentina abona owner and export and marketing director of the house of marquesi di barolo very warm welcome to you valentina hello rinko i'm really happy to be here so valentina tell us something about the house of marquesi di barolo Well, you made a beautiful introduction before about uh, this wine, which is so known all over the world and is known with the um, name of uh, King of Wines in Wine of Kings. So very noble roots for Barolo. And these roots were actually given um, thanks to the first producers of Barolo wine, who were nobles. <laughs> They were actually the last marquises of Barolo. who uh, back in the 1800s, uh, first of all, uh, fell in love one with the other. The last Marquis of Barolo, Carlo Tancredi Falletti, used to attend Napoleon's court as he was the ciambellano di corte of uh, Napoleon himself. So okay. he was uh, assisting him with the organization of um, events and affairs around. So uh, in one of these occasions, he was able to meet Juliette Colbert, a French noblewoman 
who then became his wife because they fell in love and get married. This was day 1806. And after moving back to the town of Barolo, so in, in Piemont, just uh, across the border of the Alps, uh, Juliette realized that the situation was very much different from what she was used to uh, live in France. Uh, uh, wine was not properly made. It was just a, a sweet and sparkling juice. Thomas Jefferson used to describe the juice made of Nebbiolo in this way, sweet as a Madeira, sparkling as a champagne, yet austere as a Bordeaux. So three really interesting characteristics to find in a wine altogether at the same time. And the four uh, Juliette's intuition was that this, um, this wine was not stable. It was eventually starting uh, fermentation again. So restarting fermentation after it has been bottled. That's why the sparkles and the sweetness given by the residual sugar. So she thought about a way to make a proper wine that could uh, uh, reflect the terroir of the area and uh, um, able to share this uh, beauty all around uh, the world. So she created Barolo. She created, first of all, underground cellars where this wine could complete this fermentation. She had uh, wooden barrels assembled for the first time so to allow this fermentation. And finally, she made such a fine wine that she named Barolo after the village in which she was making the wine and where the grapes came from. Mm -hmm. And she shared it in the different royal courts allowing even the father to who then became the first king of Italy to enjoy this juice and he enjoyed it that much that he asked for some and Marquis Juliette sent 325 barrels all the way up to the king's court in Turin so one per day and less uh, 40 days of length because she was really Catholic so she, mm -hmm. she only sent wine for the drinking days of the king and since then uh, Barolo was then known as the king of wine and wine of kings, as we still know it today. So tell us something about your, you know, the company that you have, Marquesi di Barolo. After the Marquises made this great wine, unfortunately, they had no children. So they left all of their belongings, including the winery, to a church organization who Marquise Juliette founded herself back in 1864. And the charity organization managed all of her activities after her death, including the winery. But in, back in 1929, an Italian law stated the charity organization could not manage profitable businesses any longer, could not own and manage profitable businesses any longer, uh, especially in goods transformation. So they could keep the vineyards, but not the winery itself, where the production was, uh, was carried out. So at the time, different uh, families in Barolo had taken inspiration from what the Marquises did and started to make their own wine, so their own family wine. And among them, our family did this. So the Abona winery was already established in the end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s. We also won different golden awards for uh, our Barolos at the different wine competitions of the era. In 1929, we gained all of our tools and our resources and we bought the state from the charity organization. So since then, we left aside our brand uh, family name and we continued with the name of Marchese di Barolo. So to allow this legacy to continue and to not forget what the Marquises did. So it's over 90 years that my family is known as the owners of Marchese di Barolo and that we continue this beautiful story with commitment, 
with passion, of course, and uh, um, also with a lot of beautiful satisfactions. What are the things, uh, Valentina, according to you, that sets Marquesi di Barolo apart from the other wines or, and the wine houses? Well, it's a always interesting question because being here for so long and doing this for so long, we had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> but um, I think that what uh, characterized our family's uh, um, imprint, it's the way of allowing tradition to continue. So we are not stuck in the past. History is renovating itself generation after generation. So we are taking into consideration what are the different trends that today are influence and uh, the different uh, tools and uh, machineries and uh, things that allow us uh, to improve ourselves uh, time by time. And we are implementing these without losing uh, our roots. So without losing our history, but always enriching it. So I think that especially in this moment in which two generations are finally together after a long time, because unfortunately my grandfather passed away when my dad was still very young. So mm -hmm. they didn't have the opportunity of working together, which is what we are doing now. So my brother and I, who are the sixth generation in the wine business, are working very closely together with my father and my mother. So we are all very much involved in the business. We all look at it from different angles and uh, bringing different uh, views and uh, new enthusiasm time by time. So I think that this continuous brainstorm that we do uh, at home uh, and at work, it's really useful in order to allow ourselves to be always very present without forgetting where we come from. I get it. So what would you say? Who are your target consumers then? Well, because of what I said earlier, I would say that our um, target are both uh, wine experts and wine uh, passionate who have been studying and enjoying most of all wine since many years. So have a deep knowledge and a deep understanding about the region, about the appellation, but also a younger crowd who is now starting to approach um, wine in a very um, careful way, who's uh, interested and uh, curious in discovering what are the opportunities that our land and our time offer us in terms of wine. So we are able to catch both. We're able to address both taste and satisfy them. But you you have mostly uh, more of the robust wines, I think medium to full. Do you have something for the beginners as well? I mean, something which is light and fruity, maybe a little sweeter for someone who's just getting into um, drinking wine rather than, you know, the the people who already are veterans. Yes, I would say that um, because of the versatility of our region, Piemont is really rich in terms of diversity of terroirs, so soil types, altitudes, uh, climates, uh, and even looking just at the south of Piemont, which is where our family has its um, uh, has its vineyards and where we produce our wines, we have great opportunities of offering different uh, expressions of our land. So even the same grapes, 
for example, Nebbiolo, which is the uh, grape that we use for Barolo. So the yeah. grape that gives birth to this rich king yes. of wines, it's quite versatile. So if grown on sandy soils, such as the ones that we have in Roero, for example, just a few uh, kilometers from here, we do have wines which are way more accessible. They are more understandable also by less trained uh, palates. And besides Nebbiolo, of course, grapes uh, like Barbera or Dolcetto or even Moscato, so a white varietal, uh, very aromatic, which tends to have a great sweetness. So even when the wine is produced, we preserve some of that sweetness and we make a wine which is not too alcoholic. Could be a great introduction. Okay. And what might be the age range of these consumers that you think that who are your customers for your kind of wines? I would say that we can address people from 30 years old, so around my age, all the way up to our grandfather's age. It, yeah. Of course, it depends on the specific wine that people are tasting and uh, that people enjoy. So younger people my age are maybe willing to approach uh, the wine world little by little, starting from those easier varietals that I mentioned uh, before, Dolcetto, Barbera, and then finally moving on Nebbiolo in its different expressions, something lighter before and just later on something rich such as Barolo, and they might enjoy better those uh, uh, finer and richer expressions of Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo is also a really interesting varietal that grows uh, together with people to me. The lifespan of a wine from Nebbiolo, and specifically a Barolo, can be comparable to the one of a human being, of a person. When Nebbiolo in Barolo is young, it's really... Um, is really closed. It doesn't express too much, just like a kid that knows just a few sentences. So it expresses little by little. You can predict the personality. You can tell how it is going to be, but you don't have the proof yet because it's not right in front of you. The more Barolo ages, the more immature. It's just like a person in his uh, 20s, in his 30s, who has a more defined personality and has uh, more experiences to share. So you can get more out of it and when it ages uh, till the um, uh, later years so 60 70 years or even 80 years old Barolo are really interesting because they're really long in their expression they they might be more relaxed they are softer so they're not as edgy as they were before they are already sweetened up (laughs) just like an older person who did a lot of experiences and now is taking the time to uh, share them with other people slowly little by little and they get more fragile so you want to be really careful with those wines and approach them uh, with that attention. So Valentina what was your passion at an early age like what have what have you been you know passionate about I know you're a sports person you're you're a lot into diving into scuba diving skiing and all of that stuff and you travel a lot but what was your passion when you were younger well I think that right because of what you said uh, I've been really spoiled because living in Barolo even though it's a a really really little town we're only 700 people think about this Barolo is known all over the world and yet it's so tiny And people don't always realize how small the village is. But we are one hour driving from the seaside, one hour driving from the mountains. So I did have opportunities of uh, um, seeing different uh, uh, panoramas. So I do enjoy 
doing different activities according to where I am in the different seasons. Um, and I do enjoy traveling and seeing uh, um, even uh, what is beyond, <laughs> what is close to home. And probably this curiosity gave me also the opportunity of understanding how precious Barolo is. By traveling a lot, you know, I spent also some time in India. I've been a couple of months mm -hmm. back when I was in uh, university. I spent some time at ISB in Hyderabad. Oh. And then I traveled um, a little around. Uh, I was so fascinated about culture and about uh, the experience that I was living that I thought that I was not going to go back home and work oh. in wine. I was going to do something different. Uh, but then after, you know, some time, my mom uh, asked me to join her for a um, business trip in our Southeast Asia. And once I did that, I realized how much I was missing wine, how much I was missing Barolo. So it's beautiful to travel, but I'm always, I feel always very lucky to be able to go back home and uh, travel together with the wine. So to take my hometown together with me through the expression of our wines. You know, you also used to have a restaurant in your establishment, if I remember correctly. We we had a beautiful meal there. So tell us something about it. Do you still have it? Are you have you shut it down, or what? What is what is the situation? During COVID, we had to uh, close the restaurant, so it was really like closing uh, a room of our home, and it was really really sad. Yeah, I usually make fun of my mom saying that she doesn't have only two kids my brother and I but she has three because I would include the restaurant in those oh. because she took care of every single detail of the restaurant just as which she did while growing up my brother and I so every single detail every single um, meal that is the food together with the chef has uh, some of her inside she was the first one to believe in it she'd opened it back in 1996 and uh, she was the first cook. So I remember her doing a lot of um, um, like cooking classes. So to improve her traditional cuisine, uh, because of course, you know, all the all moms and grandmothers has their own mm, recipes. Yes. So she wanted to have a more, uh, how can I say, um, open view about what the traditional offer was. So she implemented her mom's recipes together with the ones that she learned in these cooking classes. And I remember these beautiful perfumes of her mm. uh, trying to uh, make these recipes back in home and then sharing them, sharing the meals up in the restaurant. And it was just beautiful. Okay, so I'm I'm going to tell all the listeners that the Makesi di Barolo winery is now open. Please go and visit it and definitely go and eat a meal there. It's just spectacular. So Valentina, tell me something that you, you belong to a very close-knit family. You know, everybody is doing their part in running the business. So how do you feel about the entire family being involved, about being in the same business as your parents, as your siblings? It is difficult to work with family, but I realize that now it's 10 years that we work together. And my brother joined last year. He's in charge of all vineyard management. I realized by spending time together with them in these past uh, years, of course, uh, but especially during COVID when we uh, did the lockdown all together in the same uh, home, uh, how beautiful it is to share, share such an important uh, 
thing together with the family. We all have different views on things. We also have different attitudes. So we take care of different aspects of the business, thanks God, so that we don't overlap too much one with the other. But it's beautiful because we all care about it, maybe even in different ways. So we are constantly brainstorming and maybe asking for support or advices so that there is always attention from each one of us in order to grow constantly with this vision, which I mentioned earlier being, to me, really special because two generations uh, together are bringing both their expertise and their passions and uh, views on the business so that we are really able to link uh, the tradition with the future. Absolutely. So, Valentina, you've traveled so much. Tell us, and you've you've had so much wine. Tell us some interesting stories. Oh, you know, in your in your journeys, like which has been your your most interesting adventure? Like, you know, which country? Anything about anything about your journey there? So, uh, this uh, tour of wineness that we did in uh, uh, in the Maldives every oh. night in a different resort, and even though we didn't really had the time to enjoy the resort because it was a constant move from one to the other. It was just beautiful to be able to show our wines in such a different panorama, in a different uh, you know, context to uh, where usually we show them. But at the same time, I have really dear in my heart some trips that I did in Mexico or United States. And honestly, what I remember the most after I go back home, it's the people. And I really think that this is the power of the passion for wine that allow us to shorten distances immediately and bring us together as we were friends. First of all, tell me, do you follow traditional wine pairings or are you adventurous or you or do you not believe in any of these, the, the pairings which we which we hear that, you know, white with white, red with red, etc, etc. <laughs> I do trust that there is always, a, there has to be a balance. So, of course, classic wine pairings are really well fought through and they're beautiful experiences to live. But I enjoy being a little bit adventurous sometimes also, you know, in some trips in Mexico, for example, to pick our wines with uh, mole, which is uh, an ingredient. Uh, mm. It's not really an ingredient because it's a sort of a sauce made with different ingredients, but that we don't have here in Italy. So of course, that is not appearing that people would immediately think mm. of. But I really enjoy pairing fine wines with some uh, cozy food like uh, burgers, of course, maybe a good burger made with good meat and <laughs> with a good bread and with good vegetables. But, you know, with, with pizzas, for example. What are your favorite pairings? So it will be a good barolo uh, with a good burger. That is definitely one of the pairings I enjoy. You know, very easy uh, meals, but with special wines that become like special pairings. So if Valentina is not drinking her own wine, which is the other wine apart from her house of wines, which she which she really likes? Well, in this, I'm, uh, I like to be adventurous. So I'm really open in tasting different uh, uh, wines from all over the world. I've been, uh, now I'm in the mood of, uh, maybe it's because it's still summer here in Italy, but I'm really in the mood of white wines. So um, here in Piemont, especially, we have very few white uh, local varietals. So I like uh, going outside of, uh, of Piemont for uh, for my Italian, uh, for, sorry, for my white wines. I enjoy uh, white burgundies. I enjoy Rieslings. I, I enjoy Asiatico from uh, Greece, for example. 
And so, so tell me, how important do you think that drinking from the right kind of glass is that important? No, that is fundamental. Yes, it's like a dress uh, for for a person. You can uh, be a beautiful person, but if you don't dress in a way that exalts, it will be a little modification. It's the same with the wine. You can have the finest and most beautiful wine in the world, but if you don't have the proper glass, you might ruin your experience. So glasses are absolutely important. So so tell me something. Why is it a wide mouth, a big glass for a red? Why is it a flute for a champagne or a saucer for a champagne and a smaller glass for a white wine? Well, of course, and it's not just the sizes, but it's also the shape of the glass, which influences uh, the way the wine hits your tongue. So the way the wine flows into your mouth and therefore you... Um, uh, you feel it in a different way because it hits different parts of your tongue. We know that on the tongue, you feel different. Uh, the sweetness hits uh, best uh, on the uh, tip of the tongue, the saltiness back. So in the end, uh, on the sides, you feel the acidity. So of course, in the way the wine flows into your mouth and hits your tongue, you will have different impressions of it. And uh, the sizes, of course, are important uh, for the oxygenation. So for uh, the breathing of the wine, the closer a wine is, and especially this is for reds, but not only. So generally speaking, the closer wine is, and uh, the more they need to open and breathe in the glass, the greater the glass should be. So for our Barolos, we always uh, have a big, important glass so that it allows a greater breathing. Super. So I'll be asking you some rapid fire questions. Okay, so this is a no brainer, but I still ask your favorite drink. Of course, it's wine. <laughs> okay, red or white? This is too difficult. I don't have just one. It depends on which mood I'm in. This is a rapid fire. You have to tell me one. Well, just because today it's a very sunny day, I will go for white, <laughs> but only for this reason. Okay. What is the most important lesson you've learned, Valentina, over the course of your career? I would say the lesson that people give me. So the, the meeting of uh, different people that really enrich me every time. So usually when we are doing, uh, uh, when we are gathering with wine lovers, they're not all from the wine business. Actually, they're more from other businesses, but they just have a passion for wine. So it's an opportunity for me to be enriched uh, with knowledge and with uh, things which I didn't know about the rest of the world, which is just beautiful. So I would thank the wine for the lesson that it gives me uh, every day because of the people that I meet and also because of the richness of the wine itself. And I might be a little bit longer with this answer, but I think no it's worries. really important. Hmm. A glass of wine is never just the juice that you have in that glass. It's the history behind it. It's the geography, so the yes. region from which it comes from. Um, it's the uh, work, the passion of the people that made many efforts for that wine to be in the glass. It's the length of it. So again, if you taste it when it's younger, when it's mature or when it's older, it will give you different lessons. So it's always, um, it's always beautiful. So what are the most underrated tools that are most indispensable for your job, for, the, for what you do? Some things that you feel that you can just not do without. Well, I would say definitely glasses. As we mentioned before, they are fundamental. 
And but are they underrated? I mean, is a glass an underrated tool? Uh, we are starting to have a better understanding of how important glasses are, but we are not quite there. It's still um, there is still much more that can be done for allowing wines to show better just having right glasses. So, who has been your most important professional mentor? Even though I never met her, because of course uh, uh, Juliette Colbert was um, mm-hmm. uh, was mm-hmm. living a century before me, she's definitely a mentor. I would say for all of us in Barolo, but specifically for for our family, being somehow the ones that continue her legacy. What this woman did. So Valentina, wine to you is everything. It's home. <laughs> <laughs> It's a. Uh, It's my past is my future. Okay, so three things on your bucket list. While traveling again and visiting those places I haven't been yet. I never went to uh, um, Argentina. I would oh. love to go there. I never been to Israel and Jordania. Um, I never been to South Africa and New Zealand. Those are like the places where I like to go. <laughs> Beautiful wines from the house of Marquesi di Barolo appeal to each and every person who know their luxury and quality. The Nebbiolo grape is not just a grape, as Valentina said; it has a whole history behind it and a whole luxurious history behind it, like the Barbaresco or the Barolo Reserva or the Barbera, etc. Each wine speaks its own language. So here's saying a salute. to all these beautiful wines and here's me saying a big thank you to the lovely Valentina Bona for joining me on my show thank you Valentina thank you for the opportunity of being together besides the distance and for uh sharing with me your enthusiasm i can see your eyes smiling just from your voice <laughs> and this it's the beauty of our business and i feel yes. so spoiled to be able to live it and share it with people like you and our listeners so thank you so much ciao 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 ciao